Now that we've gotten into October, it is the season of ghosts and apparitions and all things haunted. Today, in the second installment of our Fall Getaway series, host Claudia Meza is talking with Doug Kent Crispin of the Kick-Ass Oregon History Podcast. They're going to be breaking down supernatural phenomena and ghostly sightings in the Portland area, plus a few of our picks for the best Halloween-themed attractions in the region. It's Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm lead producer John Natariani, and this is what Portland's talking about. Would you say that you've heard of a lot of haunted places around Portland? I feel like I've heard of quite a few. Do you think Portland is especially just like filled with spirits? Is Portland filled with spirits or do we have this tendency in Portland to kind of like exaggerate our Portlandness to some degree, right? <laughs> exaggerate, accentuate. I think in Portland, we have a tendency to draw this stuff out and to add a little bit more embellishment to a pre-existing location or a theme, or as we used to say before the internet, a meme, if people remember what those were, or tropes. You know, I think that we have a tendency to embellish these things. Yeah, I can totally see that. Uh, So what we're gonna do is we each brought uh, a few locations. We're gonna discuss what we've heard about the history of their hauntings, uh, ghost sightings, and we're just gonna decide like, do we think it's true or not? Why don't you start us off uh, the White Eagle? Yeah, so the White Eagle is kind of an interesting spot. That's the McMinimans that's uh, down there right across on the north side of the river. And uh, it's a cool little old-timey spot. Uh, It's in the Albina neighborhood. And, you know, that was a kind of a transportation hub for the Willamette. There were a lot of ships, there was a lot of trains, and there was a lot of warehouses, and labor workers really flooded into the district. So the White Eagle was operated by Polish immigrants in 1905, and it was very much a working man's bar that kind of had a steady clientele of these hard-drinking fellows. And newcoming Poles to Portland would gravitate there. They could play cards, uh, they could play pool, drink liquor and cigars, you know, with some of their countrymen. Uh, So the bar had a kind of a really well-deserved reputation uh, for fighting, (laughs) which earned it the moniker of the bucket of blood, supposedly. Uh, And there's a lot of neighborhood legends there about a brothel in the boarding rooms upstairs as well as a well-appointed opium den in the basement, although there's really kind of little evidence to support that. I just feel like every old building in Portland, like, and then there's been an opium den in the basement. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, look, the Shanghai tunnels are here too, which of course we all know is bullshit. Um, But yeah, so, um, you know, they have this kind of, um, this theme of, you know, there were dead prostitutes in there, right? Some of the sex workers that worked upstairs were supposedly killed, and then their specters kind of haunted the space. But there's a lot of legend and mythology with these buildings that has kind of been extended on. And, you know, there's a bit of a selling point. So I think the McMinimans folks don't go out to squashing it. But again, if you want to go and spend the night in a hotel that may or may not be haunted, you can go to the McMinimans and do that. But of course, we're going to talk to a better one. I've got another choice a little bit later on. But Claudia, what are you going to come at me with for kind of haunted Portland spots? You might have heard of this one, the Hollywood Theater. Uh, I actually have like a firsthand experience. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. 
maybe more like an adjacent experience. So um, he, here are the here's the lore. So this this theater opened up in 1926. It's not like super old, but people have reported seeing the spirit of like this old timey looking man roaming the upstairs lobby area. Oh, and, that's creepy. And also a ghostly woman who sits at the very back row of the theater. But what I've sort of experienced, I've experienced two kind of paranormal things. The first one was uh, there's also the people who work there have actually stated uh, sometimes we see like a crowd of women or like just a, a crowd of people going up the stairs. Like we think it's more than what, like maybe two or three people and they're smoking because we could smell it. So we run up to say, hey, you, there's no smoking here. But when we go up, you know, there's nobody there, you know. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> so I've actually been in that hallway and I have smelt cigarette smoke and actually went to the lobby. And I was like, I think someone's smoking up there. And that's how I heard that story. They're like, actually, this is a thing. You know what? That's weird because I've been in the alleyway behind it, that weird little street, and I've smelled marijuana smoke. And maybe I was smoking <laughs> a joint. Maybe I wasn't. But that's kind of the thing. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, maybe it's a vent thing. You know, maybe there's it's closer to a vent and there's someone smoking a cigarette. Anyhow, that's one. But here's this. Here's another one that I don't know, Doug. Maybe you can poke holes through. I'm hoping you can. So I used to work in film and TV production, and my job would be to wrangle the extras and um, get them to set. And once there, I would help direct for camera. So for a few days, this one show I was working on, we shot at the Hollywood Theater. And so I had situated, you know, all these background actors in one of the smaller movie theaters uh, on the top floor. So I remember it was towards the end of the day, and I went to check in on, you know, uh, these extras. And and a few of them looked kind of concerned, like they were like huddled and talking to each other. And I was like, uh, what's up? You know, what's going on? And they're just like, hey, um, some like old timey gangster guy walked in and very aggressively asked us what we were doing here. And they said that after a bit of back and forth, like, hey, we're supposed to be here. He just, he seemed confused and he walked into like what seemed like a, you know, exit for just um, staff because they're just like, it was this little door that I didn't realize even opened or whatever. Um, and so I was like, well, that's weird because this is a closed set. Like we would recognize someone in costume, just like being like, get out of here, you know? So we did a quick check of the grounds, went through the door. They were pretty sure he used and it led to a closet, Doug. So I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like that's kind of weird. That's great. I like that one. I like that. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if somebody was like punking us or like what was going on. What do you think? Was it a vent? <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe it was a vent. No, but the, the 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 1920s attire is really the key to that one there. That's that's you know, it wasn't just somebody that wandered in off the street. You know. Yeah. So I don't know, man. If you guys want to go get scared, uh, I guess the top floor of the Hollywood Theater might be the most haunted the spot to be. Yeah. So, uh, Doug, you, <laughs> this is like an old, like, this is like classic haunting. The Witch's Castle in Forest yeah, Park. Yeah, so the, the Witch's Castle is in Forest Park. Um, it's the stone structure that's in the middle of it. I went to high school at Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon, and that's where we used to go on weekends to do bad stuff in the night, you know, because <laughs> nobody would walk that far up the trail. And it was always kind of creepy. We didn't have flashlights. I mean, it was a good time for sure. But uh, it, it definitely just kind of exuded this like creepiness. And the Witch's Castle was actually on the, the original land claim from a guy named Danford Balch, one of the old timey immigrants to Oregon, 345 acres. And that 
that included Forest Park. Oh, wow. So his daughter, Anna, had eloped with the horrifically named Mortimer Stump. And Danford <laughs> Balch, you know, he was an alcoholic living yeah. up there in this shitty little cabin in the woods, you know, in the dripping forest. And he was drinking and he was drinking and he was drinking. And eventually emerging from his depression, he kind of went into Portland one day in November of 1858. And he ran into his son-in-law, Mortimer Stump on the Stark Street Ferry, which was a ferry that used to go between both sides of the Willamette. And he saw his son-in-law there and he shot him in the neck with his shotgun, killed him. And one of my favorite little details in this story is the Stark Street Ferryman calmly told Danford Balch, I do not allow such work here. So uh, (laughs) Balch claimed that his shotgun went off and uh, eventually he was hanged for Mortimer's death on October 17th, 1859, which is actually Oregon's first legal hanging. So this is all true. Everything that you're saying here, this is like, this is for real. Okay, okay. That all happened. Now, people say that the ghost of Danford Balch is up there at Forest Park. And they say that he inhabits in his uh, not earthly state, which is Castle, which is kind of time frame off a bit. That was not where Danford Balch lived because, again, he's in 1859. Uh, that was built in the 1930s, you know, with a lot of the uh, the Depression era projects that were going on, the mm-hmm. CCC and so on. So while I don't necessarily buy into that, nonetheless, the Witch's Castle is a super creepy place to go, especially in the dark. You know, if you want to go on for a little, uh, little Portland night hike, I highly suggest you head up there. And if there's a bunch of high schoolers drinking beer and stuff like that just let them be man they're doing their thing and uh head in the other direction you know what i'm saying um yeah the witch's castle a lot of lore i never heard of this story though i just heard right. like oh satanists come here and you know yeah do, yeah, do you know, things there's been That's some it. of that here and there um but you know i there there's there's a meadow up above it where a friend of mine and i asked him to this day you know he's in his in his late 40s early 50s something like that and he was like you know when we were in high school you told us that you went up to that meadow and there was he's like the witches right and i was like so tell me what you told us he said i saw a group of naked witches dancing around a bonfire up there. And I mean, this guy's had several decades now to retract the bullshit if it was there. And he stands by it to this day. So, you know, you don't know. You might see some Church of Satan folks up there. Hmm. Well, um, I have one for you. Waiting live on a Saturday night. (laughs) Forest Park. Yeah, you know, I feel like, yeah, of course our witches would be at Forest Park. Why not? They're yeah. hippie witches. That's yeah, cool. Exactly, hippies. So I have another one for you. Um, Excellent. Also, I think pretty well known. It's Old Town Pizza downtown. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the pizzeria was once an old hotel. That's what I've correct. heard. Correct. That is okay. correct. Yep. The Merchant Hotel. Yes. Now, supposedly a woman named Nina, I don't know you know, if this was d- documented, if there's if there's an actual Nina in the records, but she died there when she was thrown down the elevator shaft. And now, like, more than, like, 100 years later, supposedly her spirit is still hanging around, and she's seen wandering the lobby and the basement wearing a black dress. And some staff have also felt her tap them on the shoulder. 
Yeah, and I've heard too that guests have been up in the balcony at Old Town Pizza, and uh, now and again they'll get a whiff of French perfume, implying that nobody is perfumed that goes to Old Town Pizza. <laughs> none of the living folks. You so know, I do believe that though. I do believe. Yes, that. So yeah. <laughs> I believe that a lot more yeah, than I believe exactly. that you saw so, goes. Um, yeah, I know that, that that's one of those kind of aged stories that's been in Portland's past. And again, like you said, we don't have a lot of evidence to back that up with, you know, unfortunately during that time, as much like it is today, I might say like the death of a sex worker is kind of viewed as differently from the death of other people, you know? So there's not really a lot of, a lot of work that's done to find out much about the identities of these individuals then, or even now. Yeah. So you're assuming it was a sex worker working at the old merchant. That is what the legend has Uh, been, you know, but again, I see, I see that as a commonality Mm -hmm. of a lot of these stories. Like we talked about the white Eagle as well. So is, is that uh, an indication of the historic um, kind of the violence has been directed towards sex workers historically, or is that an indication of, you know, we need to add a bit more sordidness to these stories stories. So let's make them sex workers, right? Right. And kind of stigmatize that further. So I'm not quite sure which way to go on that. But you know, that is uh, an absolutely a prevalent story. And of course, Old Town Pizza, you know, capitalizes off of that, much like we were talking about the McMinimans. I mean, there's a little bit of dough to be made if you've got a ghost location and it's getting close to Halloween and so on. No so. pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, let's talk about a hotel that's actually in service. Yeah, that's right. The, present the, day, the, yeah. The fancy Benson Hotel would be uh, the one that I would go with. So Simon Benson was a wealthy timber baron, uh, and he financed the Benson Hotel in 1913. People might be familiar with his name because the Benson Bubblers are attractive little water fountains oh, yeah. downtown. Uh, he helped commission them. So uh, the hotel was designed by a famed Portland architect, uh, A.E. Doyle. Uh, He did um, the main library downtown, the Myron Frank Building and others. Uh, It's a 12-foot story hotel, and it's absolutely beautiful. And supposedly there is a ghost in the hotel. Really? And some people say it's the ghost actually of Simon Benson, uh, sometimes seen in a dark suit. Other times, though, the ghost is seen to be in a logger's plaid or wool blouse. Uh, So the 12th floor specifically is where people see a lot of this kind of paranormal activity. There's been a woman in a white dress uh, called the Lady in White in the hotel corridors and another ghost in a turquoise dress. Uh, appears in mirrors in the lobby. So there's a lot of um, kind of mirror action with these ghosts that are in that space. So, and uh, Mitch Mitchell, uh, who is the drummer for the Jimi Hendrix Experience, actually died in his room in the Benson Hotel in 2008. So I I haven't yet heard of any drummers being witnessed in that. But honestly, if you're going to have a ghost encounter, It'd be pretty cool if they were playing Hendrix tunes, you know. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty cool. Have you had any personal experiences uh, with ghosts or other paranormal activity in, in Portland? Well, yes, I have indeed. Uh, I used to work at the Mount Tabor Theater and Pub on uh, 48th and Hawthorne there in kind of the Devil's Triangle area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now and again, 
after closing, now remember you close down the bar and of course you're sitting around and you're drinking some drinks, you know. Everybody's out of the bar because that's the whole point of closing the bar. You get everybody out and you lock the door. And we used to hear a lot of weird noises like chains. And I, it was even kind of more like vibes. You know, you would mm-hmm. just get like this really creepy vibe. Me and the sound guy, his name is Brian. We'd be sitting at the bar drinking our free drinks, able to have our fill. And we're like, wow, let's get the fuck out of here, man. This wow. is super creepy. So how often does that happen? And then another time, again, there were mirrors behind that back bar. And I remember I was on one side and my co- vacuuming. It was before we opened. So again, all the doors were locked. Nobody else was in there. I was vacuuming and my coworker was behind the bar and she was kind of looking in towards the mirror and I looked on the other side and we both saw a shape in white. We thought it was a woman in white, like very quickly move across the floor and then exit kind of through the main, uh, the main doors that you get in that bar area. And again, both, she said, did you see that? And yeah. I said, yes, I saw that. She said, what the fuck was it? No, don't tell me. What, I don't want to know. Let's get out of here. And so we kind of ran outside the back door. But that was an, that was an uh, encounter that I had in a Portland bar. And it, I've wanted to go back in and ask the current workers, like, do you guys ever see stuff? But it, honestly, it kind of freaked me out. It's, it, it's in a way I kind of want to let it be. You know, I feel yeah, like yeah. if these things are in other dimensions, maybe we should just keep them there. You know, maybe <laughs> we don't need to look a bit more into it. And then I've also done an investigation um, with a paranormal team where, uh, for a podcast that I did uh, with Kick-Ass Oregon History where we went down into the basement of Kells. Oh, I've heard about Kells being haunted. bar down yeah. there. And supposedly the ghost of an old Portland fire chief, David Campbell is his name, uh, may inhabit that area. He was a boxer as well as a fire chief. And so he used to do a lot of uh, kind of underground boxing bouts in that area. I don't know why he would inhabit a cigar bar being a uh, fire chief, but nonetheless, we went in there with the weird little, uh, I think, obelisk or something like that. It's like you kind of wave them around and like it, it forms words out of the air and things like that. Okay. You know, we did some different things. You know, you put down a flashlight and if you're here, turn on the flashlight and the flashlight turns on. I mean, we saw some goofy shit. So if people want one more ghost location. I would say that I would uh, go ahead and check out Kells as well. Nice. Yeah, I feel like all of the old bars have to be haunted just because there were so many people that – that go and inhabit these places and it's like a second home to them. So I have a story uh, that a listener uh, wrote in and it takes place in St. John's and it takes place uh, at a little bar that I might have mentioned once or twice before in this program. So Babs is a longtime St. John's resident and actually has been called the unofficial mayor of St. John's because she's so active in the community. So Babs writes, uh, my mom, Amy, was a great fan of Slim's. Hang on a second. I know the cook there. <laughs> Doug, you want to give your shout out? <laughs> Big shout out to Max, my my big man. So he he cooks at Slim. <laughs> That's Doug's son. All right. So <laughs> so uh, Babs writes, my mom, Amy, was a great fan of Slim's. She started going when she lived at Assumption Village. And, and for those who don't know, that's an assisted living facility. And Babs says that more than once she was giving her mother and uh, her friends from this assisted living facility a ride home from the bar, which is I just love thinking of that. Uh, but anyhow, Bab continues, 
Uh, what was even sweeter was uh, that Michie uh, was so nice to my mom. Now, Michie is one of the owners of Slim's and runs the kitchen. And Bab says that her mom loved Michie and Michie loved seeing both Amy and Babs come in together because it reminded her of her mother, who she just really loves and uh, at that point was still back in Japan. Now, this is when things get spicy. Babs uh, wrote, a couple months ago, I was at Slim's and ran into Michie and her own mom, who was visiting from Japan. And over a grill out in the back parking lot, Michie told me of the last time she saw my mom. And she said, my mom came in and ordered a steak and ate it alone. And she had a gin and tonic. She just remembered the order and she sat in her usual place and spoke to her, her mother, her uh, just... Basically, her, the description of her mother at that point would, was dead on. Like she was, she had a walker, an oxygen tank. So she was like, yeah, that definitely was my mom. And then Michie tells me that the next day after she came, she heard like, oh, you know, Amy passed. So here's the deal. Uh, a couple of things that were confusing. My mom, with her lovely 83-year-old limited mobility and dementia, would not have been able to navigate herself into Slim's alone. Also, the last year of her life, she needed constant tending. On top of that, for the five days before her death, she was either in the hospital or at home in hospice, constantly monitored. There was no possible way that she could have gone to Slim's. Wow. Wow. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I like that. So, Babs goes on to say, I often feel the spirit of my mom when I go into Slim's. It was her favorite spot. Uh, but when Michie told me the story, I don't doubt that she had to have one more visit with someone who appreciated her and gave her lots of love and attention. And I think my mom wanted to hang out with her just like one more time. Oh, that's a lovely story. Yeah. Amy, the patron saint slash ghost of Slim's. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, I think people should go in there and, you know, they should order a burger from Big Macs too. Yeah. So. Max actually makes some of my favorite burgers as well. Just FYI. I feel like we all have our favorite cooks, you know? Yes, so I <laughs> exactly. Very true. Very true. Well, thanks so much, Doug, for hanging with me and uh, talking some ghost stories. You bet, Claudia. Always a good time to chat. If you're looking to get into the spirit of the season, but a run-in with a real-deal ghost feels a little bit too hardcore for you, here's a couple of other ideas on how you might want to celebrate. Just up the road from Portland, St. Helens has turned into the spirit of Halloween Town. Ever since that town served as the backdrop for the Disney Channel classic Halloween Town in the late 90s, they've been putting on a citywide extravaganza every year. You can visit their haunted house, go on a Bigfoot hunt, and much, much more every day through the end of the month. Now, if horror films feel more like your speed, you might want to check out the drive-in theater experience at the Clark County Fairgrounds. They're showing both family-friendly and adults-only classics like Beetlejuice, Evil Dead, and The Shining all month long. And finally, if you're looking for more homespun appeal, go to the Davis Graveyard in Milwaukee. Now, this started as a husband and wife-led project in the late 90s, but it's grown to the point where it was featured on the Travel Channel's Halloween's Most Extreme in 2006. To learn more about all these spectral attractions, check out the show notes. Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it or leave us a rating or a review. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza. We'll be back with more from around the city tomorrow morning. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs> <laughs>